I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. I am uh, Patrick O'Loughlin, and I'm very curious about pit beef and how it came about in Maryland, what its reach is regionally, and uh, what the deal is. I grew up going to roadside pit beef stands, hitting firehouse fundraisers, things like that. I actually, I've been getting into barbecue a lot, and I decided, you know, I've never made pit beef before, so let me, let me make some pit beef. And as you do, I went on YouTube and uh, tried to find ideas for making pit beef. And I actually came up surprisingly short. And that's when I started realizing that maybe pit beef was more of a regional thing, maybe more of a Maryland thing. Um, I'm very curious to hear, to hear what you could find about it. Patrick, this is an excellent question. I look forward to uh, finding an answer for you. Great. Thank you. All right, so we're going to start our episode this week uh, here in uh, East Baltimore, uh, just off Pulaski Highway in the uh, uh, picturesque parking lot of the Gentleman's Gold Club uh, Strip Bar, which parking lot is also home to this shack called Chaps Pit Beef. I'm here for a lunch date with my trusty friend and Baltimore food critic of Charm City Table, Simone Phillips. Simone, what do you know about Chaps Pit Beef, where we're about to go in? Well, I know it is Baltimore and beyond just the region's most popular place for pit beef. They have, you know, you can get the regular pit beef or they have some crazy sandwich combinations that you can try here. So I haven't been here in a while. I'm excited to have lunch. All right, let's head in and uh, get ourselves something to eat. The first thing you notice when you walk in here, of course, is the aroma. Describe what we're smelling right now. You get a lot of uh, smokiness, almost like you're at a cookout or a barbecue or something. Um, You walk right in, there's a a walk-up window where you order your food and a bunch of picnic benches. So it's almost like an indoor cookout. So here's the menu board. There's the traditional pit beef sandwich here. And then you got all these specialty sandwiches called the Bulldog, the Tom Dog, the Tricom, the... Guy's Triple D. This place got made famous uh, at one point because Guy Fieri from Diners, Dives, and uh, Drive-Ins came in here. I remember the Guy Fieri moment from uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. So they have a sandwich dedicated to him that has beef, corned beef, and sausage. All right, I think it's our turn. How are you today? Good, and you? Good. Tell me your name and tell me uh, how long you've been working here. Uh, My name is Courtney, and I've been working here for almost five months. How's business at this place? It always seems to be bustling. Super busy. It's an understatement. Yeah. Talk to me about your crew here on any given day. Like, how many people you got working? Like, how's the work divvied up back there? I mean, you're all, it's like a well-oiled machine to look behind this window and see everybody moving around in perfect sync. Yep. Um, So we have about 10 to 12 workers a day. We usually have somebody running the front, which is sometimes the owner or usually a manager. Um, And then we have somebody on every station, which is our middle station, our grill and our slicer, and then our fry station. And then we also have people in the back constantly making our um, freshly made sides, um, desserts, fresh cut fries. So everybody's always working. Let me have you give me a rundown of some of the popular sandwiches and some of the creative combos that are on the menu here. So starting, of course, will be our number one top seller, which will be the pit beef. Um, the next sandwich is going to be the Big John, which is beef, ham, turkey, corned beef, and sausage. Also, the Raven is one of our top sellers, which is beef, turkey, corned beef, and cheese. Um, and then 52, which is corned beef, ham, and cheese. 52, named in honor, of course. Do you know? 
No. No, I'm going to guess it's Ray Lewis from the Ravens. That was his number, wasn't it? Yes. I didn't even think about that. I think it might be. I don't know. I'm guessing. Um, I'm probably sure it is 52, uh, yeah. Tiger sauce. What, what, is, uh, what is it? What, what's important about it? Um, tiger sauce is our house-made sauce. It has horseradish and mayonnaise in it. So it has a little kick to it. Are you a, a longtime Baltimore gal? Absolutely. Born and raised. I actually was raised off of chips. <laughs> I know the quality of the food is good, so why not be a part of something great? All right, so we're going to get two pit beef sandwiches. How do you want yours cooked? How do people get them usually? Um, usually they go medium because you don't want to take the taste out of it. So they usually go with medium. I usually get medium, but I know rare is like the traditional. I'll do, I'll do medium rare. Okay, let's get one medium rare, one medium. Did you want any onions, pickles, or horseradish? I'll do onions on mine. And I'll do pickles and horseradish. There you go, and they'll call your ticket number out, which is 688. Josh, where my man's go? I have 88. So when you walk around to the pickup window, you see the grill where they're putting the pit beef and the other meats on there. Folks are packing sandwiches, slicing the pit beef. Uh, calling numbers for folks to pick up. So it's it's a busy kitchen back here. I'd say they're moving in harmony to get lunch out to people. The centerpiece of this kitchen, obviously, is this giant open fire, yeah. the pits. This is not a slow-cooking enterprise. This is like more like a searing enterprise. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the difference with pit beef. It's high heat, and it cooks pretty fast. So you can kind of see that with the pit here in the middle of the kitchen. That's you guys. That's us? All right, appreciate you. Thanks. So we've got ourselves situated here at the table. Time for the unveiling. Go ahead and unwrap that pit beef, Simone, and let's see what we're looking at. All right. (laughs) No, right? (laughs) So we have our sandwich here, and it is a lot more meat than bread. So the sandwich is piled high with pit beef. The thing about pit beef, it always has good, like, crispy edges. Um, And then you have pink and uh, brown, but it's a huge sandwich. I'm about to put some tiger sauce on it, of course. Not too much, because like I said, the the flavor is very strong. And then I'm going to sweeten it up a little bit with some barbecue sauce. All right. First bite. That tiger sauce has left you momentarily stunned, I can tell. (laughs) Yes. So... First bite you get, you get the like little crispiness from the outside of the meat and the chewiness from the medium pit beef. Um, it's like lightly smoky, just a, a little bit of smokiness upon first bite. The sauce is really the star here in the first bite. So I got a lot of tiger sauce and just a little bit of barbecue sauce. So I got a little bit of um, like savory and then a little bit of sweetness along with the smokiness of the meat. So it's a good bite. Do you have any idea, like, the origin of the pit beef phenomenon? Like, how long pit beef sandwiches have been around, how they came to be? Yeah, so uh, pit beef, you know, the first couple of places we see it pop up is in the 70s with the whole steel industrial culture that's here in Baltimore. So they would basically make pit beef out on the parking lot during their lunch break. And I think a lot of people kind of called it, like, roast beef sandwiches or, you know, something simple like that. And that was their lunch. It really started here in the Baltimore area, and then it just kind of stuck as one of our signature food items. 
I have to say, Simone, this is a big sandwich. This is like not for uh, a light lunch. I mean, a nap might be required after a lunch like this. For sure, for sure. I see you, you uh, unloaded some of your sandwich, took a couple pieces of the meat off. You can make a separate sandwich with that pile over there. I think they know their clientele here because you watch, you look at the people in line, you see a lot of like firemen, a lot of big construction worker dudes, big guys. Yes, big guys coming in during the lunch break. Yeah, tons of firemen, I would say construction, you know, or folks just coming in for a regular lunch, but you do see a lot of like worker guys coming in to get these big sandwiches and fill up for lunch. I got my pit beef sandwich with the onion on it, and man, they don't spare on the onions. I, I, this is a lot of raw onion to be yeah, consuming. I mean, a ton of raw onion. I usually end up taking a little bit of mine off, but I always get raw onion on my pit beef. I feel like that's part of it for me is to get the pit beef and the, the crunch and, and strength of flavor of the onion. So it is a pretty pungent like sandwich to eat in itself. You probably need a mint or something after lunch. <laughs> Yeah, not a good lunch for to take a date, maybe. No, definitely not a, a, a date lunch because you won't be able to <laughs> talk without jumping back after the sandwich. One of the nice things about going to get pit beef is like, like you said when we walked in here, you know, it feels like you're at a, a cookout. Yes. It you kind of feel like you're on vacation when you're at a pit beef stand, yeah. You do. You feel like you've transported kind of to a different place where you just get to have your gigantic sandwich and sit back and relax and enjoy it in this space that like smells like a, a, a hot grill and it's literal picnic benches in here so it really feels like you're in a different place for a couple minutes while you're having lunch you're tuned to the maryland curiosity bureau up next we're going to meet a local journalist who got inspired to pursue a crazy idea she made it her mission to hit the road and eat at every pit beef stand in the state of maryland we'll hear how that adventure turned out for her in just a moment My name is Allison Robicelli. I am a food and humor writer. Uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I have lived in Baltimore for the last six years. Allison Robicelli is the author of three cookbooks and a freelance writer for the Washington Post. When she moved to Baltimore, she discovered the local culinary tradition of pit beef to her joy, and a light bulb went on. She decided she was going to pitch a story to the Post, a big story. I had just got the offer to start writing for the Washington Post. And I was like, what is something extraordinary I can do? And I'd ask them if they knew about pit beef. And this is this is Washington, D.C. It's like it's it took me longer to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan on the subway than it does for me to get from Baltimore to D.C. And they were like, we we don't know a lot about pit beef. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> I was like, It is like the thing in this state. And I was like, if this is a big regional thing that's important to Maryland, why is there no record, like serious record of it? So I volunteered my services and I said, I will eat at 35 different pit beef shacks over the course of this summer. And um, yeah, I'm doing God's work. It was it was a lot. 35 different spots. It Mm -hmm. took you a summer. You got it done in a summer. Yeah, but it was like four or five trips, you know, like some trips I'd hit like 
two and some trips I'd hit like six. And it's fun until maybe after the second sandwich. And then it becomes profoundly difficult. Uh, but I, I did have my kids in the car with me, and my uh, my former partner, and um, it was easier to, to split with a number of people. And it was fun. You know, that's the thing. It's like the sandwich part. There's only so much meat you could eat before you start smelling it coming out of your pores. But what a great way to see the state. You went to spots in... Of course, here in Baltimore, you went to Upper Co, Maryland, Catonsville, Annapolis, Easton, Maryland, Salisbury, Maryland. Let's talk more about those experiences that made those travels special. You picked some favorites in your uh, 2019 Washington Post article. Let's start with um, Pioneer Pit Beef in uh, Catonsville. Uh, you said in your article about Pioneer Pit Beef, a nondescript hut located next to an interstate overpass with two picnic tables for those who wish to dine al fresco with dumpster views. This anti-ambiance was just right for you, I guess. It's perfect. I mean, it's not anti-ambiance. There's a certain ambiance about it. Like, you don't want to eat pit beef at a sit-down white tablecloth restaurant. Something that's amazing about pit beef is you see the routine. You see the people online who are there every day. You see the friendships that they develop with the guys who are cooking. It's as much about like camaraderie and friendliness as anything. So even if you're not a regular, when you go to these places, it's it's like cheers almost. And you already like, even if it's just one visit, you kind of get sucked into it. And yeah, everybody's just in a good mood when you're at a pit beef sandwich joint or you're eating a pit beef sandwich. Like nobody there is unhappy because that sandwich is that good. You did not come to be miserable. And Pioneer, I love that. I love the juxtaposition of this great, like, warm environment that's literally a shack where you just kind of walk into a door and walk right out, but into like this, it's so tiny. And you are in there for just a short time, but in those like five minutes you get to stand inside, it's just great. It's just so nice to be there. And then you go outside and you're sharing picnic tables with total strangers. And again, that juxtaposition of hospitality versus being under an underpass or having like one of the best sandwiches of your life sitting next to a dumpster or this super friendliness in a parking lot. That's just kind of what what makes it work. There's just beauty in places that we don't expect it. You found your way to Baker's Pit Beef and Tavern. Uh, This one's in Baltimore as well on uh, Eastern Avenue. Old Eastern Avenue. Uh, You said about this place, the tavern was founded in 1890. A pit beef stand was added in 1962. And the business uh, has then been owned and operated by Greek immigrants, John and Maria Leos, since 1975. These are Greek-influenced pit beef sandwiches at this spot. It's such a subtle Greek influence. It's enough, though, with pit beef. I mean, one of the beauties of pit beef is it is its simplicity. Some places, it's just salt and pepper and what you really want to taste is the fire but there is a very slight greek influence in the seasoning and it's not enough to be overwhelming but it's enough to be remarkable i remember when i went the mother and the father who originally opened the restaurant i think they were in their 80s and they were like behind the counter working and i asked the son who was serving me i was like why does she come in and he's like she loves it every day this is her baby and she'll do it every day till she can't anymore. Um, and then 
the pit beef stand is outside. There is a tavern attached to it. And it's like stepping back 70, 80 years in time. This is a perfect, like, divey, mid-century, like, almost stereotypical something out of a movie uh, place. I think the beers were like a dollar fifty, and this was a few years ago. So maybe at most it's like two dollars now. They had, you know, old arcade games, like two light bulbs maybe in the whole place. It's again one of those things where the environment is just as memorable as the sandwich. Uh, let's go next to Upper Co, Maryland, uh, to Chard Barbecue. Uh, this is run by a guy named Rich Corman. Uh, you write. A uh, food science geek heavily influenced by the Brazilian and Argentine methods for cooking meat outdoors. Uh, he can be found manning the smoker every day at his modern interpretation of a roadside shack in bucolic Upper Co. I had never been to Upper Co before I went looking for this place. And it was picture book gorgeous. I mean, the sky was just so open and so blue. And there was this huge, like perfect green field behind it and you have this this shack this modern interpretation of a roadside shack and it's beautiful but it's not pretentious the pit beef was it was just a phenomenal sandwich and I remember sitting outside with my kids at a picnic table just eating the sandwich and and looking at this flawless landscape and this flawless day in front of me and I was like this is perfect like it was just a perfect experience. So your adventures took you to the eastern shore of Maryland, across the bridge. Uh, to uh, There's a spot in uh, Easton called Shore Barbecue. Uh, it's run by Montia Rice. You write, his version borrows heavily from the traditional southern barbecue styles, uh, which means less time spent directly over a flame and more time spent slow roasting in a smoker full of hickory wood. Ugh. Still remember that sandwich. <laughs> I'd never been to the Eastern Shore before. I'd never heard, like been to Easton, and it's like stepping into a portal to another world. And I remember that sandwich being so tender. It's funny about pit beef too; is it's really simple. We're talking about like a big hunk of meat. That's you know, it's not the tender part of the meat; it's the round, and you're just cooking it over an open pit. And yet you can have so many differences by doing just like these tiny little things. So like and, and also it's it's deliberately meant to be like that. Like some places will slice their beef a little bit thicker because they let you like the chew. Some places like it like a little chewy because it feels like a heartier sandwich. Some places will do it paper thin. So it practically like dissolves into confetti. Some people like it charred or you burnt on the outside and some people like it bloody rare on the inside. Shore's pit beef sandwich, that slow cook, it A, changes it so it could be sliced a little bit thicker, but still retain the tenderness. And also the longer cooking time means it absorbs a little bit more of the smoke flavor. Now, pit beef usually, traditionally, is just cooked over charcoal. There's no smoke or anything involved. And I don't know if you could say like it's controversial that he uses the hickory wood, but there's no really no rules for pit beef. Um, so it has, yeah, it has a little tinge of wood, which again, not a bad thing. It's a delicious sandwich. There's there's nothing to complain about. And also, if I remember correctly, his tiger sauce. Now, tiger sauce is usually a mixture of uh, horseradish and mayonnaise, and 
different places will jazz it up as as they see fit. At Shore, they use sour cream. And I loved that. So Shore's barbecue, unorthodox, perhaps controversial, but uh, you do uh, mention that they make a strong argument for others to consider following that lead. As you said, you've done the Lord's work. Each of these spots you visited, they, they do pit beef slightly differently. They have a little different spin. You articulate those differences beautifully in this Washington Post article you've written. Each place has got its own personality, but let me just ask you, what do you think it is that all these places share in common? Like, what's the common denominator of the authentic Maryland pit beef experience? There's a certain sense of, of Maryland pride in it. As, as an outsider, it becomes clearer to me. As an outsider, to see the love that people have for this state, and they love pit beef, and they love it as part of their identity, but also... Um, it's part of their community. You don't see a lot of like pit beef places like everywhere. There's um, when I made the map, this was several years ago. Uh, I could only find 35 places that were solely devoted to pit beef. You know, some other people will put it on their menu, but the the shacks, the places that pit beef is their thing and nothing else. So there's only 35 or so places in a gigantic state. So when you find a pit beef place that you like, it's your place. You go into a pit beef place and you realize how many people are there every day. It's part of their routine, their community. And it's a great way to meet locals. If you strike, I'm a very friendly person. I'll strike up a conversation with anybody. And I've never seen a person in a bad mood at a pit beef place. Not once. Allison Robicelli, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for um, sacrificing your GI tract <laughs> in this endeavor, uh, and uh, thanks for your for your wisdom on this subject. Thank you very much for having me. By the way, you can find a link to Allison Robicelli's Washington Post article at our website, wypr.org/slash. Curiosity. I've also got a link up there to Simone Phillips' food blog, Charm City Table. Big thanks to Simone and Allison for their insights this episode. And uh, let's turn again now to Patrick O'Laughlin. That's who asked this week's question. Patrick, you grew up with pit beef. I think maybe you didn't realize how special and uh, rare this niche Maryland culinary tradition is, right? Until you hear outsiders marveling at it. No, exactly. And I think... uh you did a perfect job of capturing the essence of pit beef and what it means to Maryland. I mean, I think talking about the ambiance and the experience of going to a roadside stand where you're next to a dumpster, like that is quintessential pit beef. Like everybody who likes pit beef knows you're going to be on the side of a road and, you know, you're enjoying this sandwich, but you're right there in the community with the rest of people. Um, it very interesting, very interesting and very well captured. You mentioned at the top of this story, Patrick, that you're a barbecue uh, student, a barbecue uh, aspiring aficionado. I saw you taking notes while you were listening to this story. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, the difference between pit beef and barbecue? Some people will say pit beef is not barbecue because barbecue means to cook something slowly. 
Yeah, and I, I, I've heard in research people have called pit beef sort of Maryland's answer to barbecue, and I think that's a, a good way to put it. I think the big difference is that barbecue, in an American sense, traditionally is slower cooked, like you mentioned. Um, so I'm definitely interested. I had not heard of Shores, so I want to see what their take is on that and how, how the, the low and slow would affect the sandwich. But that being said, I think a pit beef, traditional pit beef sandwich has to be over an open flame with charcoal. I mean, otherwise, you're putting your own spin on it, which is fine. I think it was cool to hear uh, all of the different, you know, the Greek and the, the Brazilian different spins that people have put on it. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, but I also think pit beef in its own right has uh, everything it needs, you know? I think one of the things that's special about going to a pit beef place is that uh, however they're making the pit beef, whatever their spin is, there's a fire in the kitchen. And we human beings have been gathering around fires for as long as we've been human beings. I think that's sort of a special part of the experience. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think gathering around a fire and being together and enjoying a good, well-cooked meal that someone has put time and effort into, I think that's an obvious uh, good thing. And that's probably a big part of why pit beef is so great. Patrick, it was a thrill and a delight to uh, get to explore this question and answer it for you. Thank you for an excellent question. Thank you for putting in the work. I am honored to have been a part of the episode. I love, I love how it turned out, and uh, I, I very much appreciate it. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WYPR in Baltimore. Got a question of your own? You can put me to work at wypr.org slash curiosity. And where we go next is up to you. And uh, hey, if you like the show, do me a favor and drop a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen on. Just a line or two. Your words really do help other curious listeners find out about the show. Appreciate you. For the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.